Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, and welcome to the Farm Traveler Podcast. This is episode 25. Thank you so much for listening This is so cool. We've made it to 25 episodes. Can't wait to bring you 25 more or 2,500 more, however many we do. Our guest today is Jared Regeer. He is from Canada and has something called Vegetable Academy. The Academy is focused on kind of helping people learn how to have their own small-scale vegetable production and how to have an impact with sustainable agriculture. It's a really cool conversation we're going to have about Canada agriculture, his thoughts on creating a more sustainable food supply method, And again, thank you for listening. Continue to share our podcast, like it, comment on it on our website, thefarmtraveler.com. And wherever you listen to it, rate it. It helps us out a ton. We're getting a lot of listens. So thank you so much for listening. Again, this is episode 25 with Jared Regeer from Vegetable Academy. All right. Well, welcome to the Farm Traveler podcast, Jared Regeer with Vegetable Academy in Canada. How are you doing today, sir? I am great. It's wonderful to be here. Awesome. So I found you guys on Instagram and Vegetable Academy seems like a really cool thing that you guys are doing. So before you go into that, can you tell us about your background in agriculture, kind of how you got started and then how Vegetable Academy came to be? Well, my background in agriculture I guess, begins with childbirth. I was born into an agricultural family. My family wasn't the immediate farm family. My parents had been the ones that grew up on farms. And um, so I was kind of one generation separated from farm life. Um, My background is really more in education. I was educated as a a teacher and began a career that way, taught for a decade in the high school here. And once I got to learn more about uh, the inside of the food system, it really motivated me to get back to the roots and start growing myself. Well, cool. Uh, you taught high school? Yeah. Nice. So you taught science in high school? I did. I majored in physics and minored in math. I ended up teaching a bunch of 
science mostly, but eventually started a program um, called Earth Keepers, which focused on teaching or preparing students for active citizenship and sustainable living. So we ended up doing a lot of food production with them as well. Um, and that's one of the things that probably give me, gave me the itch to get my hands dirty myself. Cool. That's really neat. How was it working with students? I myself taught for two years, so you lasted a lot longer than I did. Um, so, so how was that? Was that really cool? If we're just leaving it to the, the subject of food, then yeah, it was like um, awesome to introduce these teenagers to foods that they would have ignored otherwise if they had just seen them on a menu or something. But if once they grew a beet or grew uh, a cucumber, like grew all these foods themselves, there was such more a lot more interest in eating them as well and we would run into students years down the road and find out they had started their own gardens and been channeling their career into a, a food production direction as well so that was it was really motivating and rewarding yeah that's cool i'm glad to hear that um so tell us about um vegetable academy like how it kind of started and what you guys are doing right now vegetable academy kind of began when i started my farm in 2015 it wasn't really visible publicly then. I was just starting to get the idea, um, educating people somehow, because once we started to get good at producing food in an urban setting here, we noticed that a lot of people started asking us questions because a lot of our plots are right out there on the street. People are walking by. They're seeing this intensive vegetable production right in front of their eyes, and they're not used to that. They're used to seeing maybe a, a tiny backyard garden or something that doesn't look very productive at all. But you can, it's clear to see from our plots that a lot of food is coming out of these small spaces right here in the city. So that got people's attention and drew out the questions and made me think, oh, I, there's, maybe there is still a place for education in my new farming role. And since that was kind of my educational background as a teacher, uh, it, I guess it didn't take too long for me to get back in that direction and start Vegetable Academy. What I learned starting our farm was that there's a huge gap between what commercial market gardeners know about vegetable production and what the average backyard gardener knows about vegetable production. And I really want to help bridge that gap so that the knowledge and techniques that I use now can be in the hands of the everyday backyard gardener so that people can build their own homesteads and be more self-sufficient um, themselves. I like that. Yeah, I was looking at you guys' website, vegetableacademy.com. And I took the little vegetable IQ quiz, and I'm a little bit embarrassed that I got... Oh, how did you I do? Think, I think I did 8 out of 15 right, so I've got a little bit ways to go. But <laughs> no worries. That, yeah, but that, that's super cool, and it seems like your website, you've got a lot of really cool stuff about kind of documenting what you guys do, your online classroom. So kind of tell us, what are some resources that you guys have for, for people that are trying to grow their own produce? So far, the classroom is a collection of how-to posts, like specific information and techniques that I'm gradually gathering up there um, to explain how we do things on our small-scale vegetable farm. Um, so everything there that we explain can be transferred into someone's backyard. And that's kind of just a resource that I'm building over time. What I'm going to be starting soon here is uh, more video training live with our, our membership so that we can deal with their questions in real time and also in time with the seasons as they come up throughout the year. Um, because it's that ongoing relationship that we're really missing when we just sign out a book from the library or, or, or run into an expert somewhere and get you get a chance to ask him or her one question and then 
you get back out to your garden and you forget, like you realize that the next week you have another, you've got another question, but that expert is long gone. Uh, the classroom is really going to be about building an ongoing relationship with a group of serious growers who want to do an awesome job of packing vegetables into their backyard or their acreage, wherever it may be. So that's kind of the, the role of the classroom in the website there. We've kind of emailed a little bit back and forth. And one thing we wanted to touch base on was kind of sustainability and food security. Uh, so w- what's kind of your hope with Vegetable Academy and how that can kind of help with food security in Canada and the world and just your your online learners? So what's kind of your hope there? I've just come to believe that like from the more I, I hear about the things that are happening with our increasing food, our challenge of food production around the world and the challenge of energy consumption around the world and getting food to people, the solution from my perspective seems to be that we just need more people to grow food. We don't need bigger tractors or bigger shipping containers or trains to get the food to people and have fewer farmers. We just need more people with their hands in the dirt uh, producing food. So I really feel like the Vegetable Academy can help equip people with the skills that they need to do that. Like I said, I want to bridge the gap between what market gardeners know and what the average home gardener knows right now so that people feel confident enough to produce their own food and depend on it in their own on their own land. When we put that power in the hands of the everyday person, we cut out a huge environmental impact of the food system. We cut out all that transportation, we cut out all that machinery, that processing, and it's just simpler. But the catch is more people have to be willing to do the work. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, a lot of people aren't going to want to get out there and kind of grow their garden, prepare their soil, just kind of learn all of that stuff. And what's it like in Canada in terms of people involved in agriculture? I know here in the U.S. it's about, uh, I'm not sure, it's a very small percentage where one farmer feeds about 155 people. And just the the average age of the farmer keeps going up and up and less people are getting involved in production agriculture. And so I totally agree with you that we've got to focus more on food security and having more and more people involved in agriculture so what does that look like in canada are you seeing like a rise in people kind of interested in going into agriculture or hopefully kind of an interest in growing their own produce there's certainly an increase in people interested in growing their own food that they they run into this problem of not knowing what to do exactly they fail try again fail again maybe and i want to catch them before they give up and show them that there's potential there that they can do a great job of it Uh, On an industry scale, I'm just looking through some stats right now. Um, I remember reading here that we had about 85,000 people in our province that were involved in agriculture or food industry in some way, but not a very big percentage of those people are actually in food production anymore. A lot of those jobs have transferred away from the food producing role to the processing role, the service role, because like you said, like a farmer with a, a bunch of machinery can produce more food um, by themselves now, or seemingly by themselves, but behind them is a whole industry giving them equipment, giving them fuel, giving them all kinds of resources um, that they need to use their single manpower uh, to produce a lot of food. That stat I give you of 85,000 people, um, to put it in context, we have a province of a, just over a million. So that's, that's roughly one in 10 people are involved in the agricultural um, business as a whole. Another interesting thing about the ag industry is that the from 1970s to 2016, the farm population has declined in Canada by 
I don't know if that's something that's reflected also in the United States, but it's an indication here that one, our farmers are getting older and retiring and moving out of the business because they're not passing on their, their farm to their children. Um, children have moved on to other careers in different fields. And two, farms are getting bigger. When those farm farmers do retire and sell their land, it's bought up by farms that already exist and they're just amalgamating land and becoming these huge, mon <laughs> huge monster farms uh, that have more buying power and control of land uh, in our province. Gotcha. Yeah, we, we've kind of had that here a little bit where people are huge ag families. Their kids aren't necessarily going to take over the family operation, so they just eventually wind up selling it or it goes under. We're seeing a lot of farms, especially dairy farms around here in the U.S., kind of go under because the price of milk keeps dropping. There are alternative forms of milk. So it, I'm mm -hmm. sure it kind of reflects Canadian agriculture, that's for sure. Here's a random question. With Vegetable Academy, have you had any um, aha moments with your students to where it kind of clicks and they're like, you know what, this makes sense. I can see why this is so important with food security, food sustainability. What are some aha moments that you've kind of seen with Vegetable Academy? I would say it's a little bit too early to speak much on behalf of the students because like I said, we're just getting set up here. I'm, I'm collecting a lot of resources and building resources in the classroom and haven't started our live training sessions yet. And I think when that begins, we're really gonna start to get more feedback from people instantaneously. But I can I can share that like people comment on on our the information I share and say things like oh thank you for find, like sharing such specific detailed information it's the details that are missing in so many of the resources like if you look for if you look in a book for vegetable growing information you're going to find something that's very general to the point uh, probably not going to be specific to your growing zone it's just like a collection of general information uh, same thing if or if you look on where another place where people would look for information would be on YouTube or Google and, and you're probably going to end up watching a guy and his dog for five minutes before you get to anything remotely valuable. And so there's that frustration that people have of having to sift through all this other content that's out there. Um, so the, the consistent thing that I'm hearing from people through Vegetable Academy is that they just appreciate the specific details that I'm sharing. I can relate to that because that was what I hungered for when I was getting started. I just needed the specific details. I wanted to know how many, like what my crop spacing should be for this crop, what my yield, uh, what yield I could expect for this crop, how many days I could expect it to be in the ground, all those specific things that are just really hard to find written down somewhere. Uh, aha moments for myself would be, I guess that people need this. I, I kind of built this this Vegetable Academy because I wanted it, it was. I felt like this is what I, where I wanted to be when I was starting our urban farm and, and starting our urban homestead, and I built it for the way I would want it. But it's been so encouraging for me to see people join the community and say, "This is just like this is just what I was looking for." Thank you for for developing this. Uh, can't wait to see more like that kind of stuff. Just to get that feedback, it's been an aha moment for me. Just to. Uh, get that feedback and think, okay, we're going to go, we're going to roll with this. We're going to keep building it. And there are people that are going to be in our corner. So I'm excited by that. Yeah, I can imagine. That's good. I'm glad to hear that. I'm sure that those aha moments for you, you can kind of, they kind of validate that you're not the only one that a lot of people are trying to do this and that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, so yeah so that's, we're just yeah, not can, connected. We need a place to connect. So this is it. Yeah, exactly. There you go. And I, I'm sure, um, 
Because anytime I try to research something for my garden or just anything about agriculture, there's just so much information out there. And a lot of it's just random noise. So it's good that you're putting legitimate information out there that people can go to and they have a resource. So, so anytime they have a question on their backyard garden, they can just go take out Vegetable Academy and get some really good resources there. So that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. So, and you touched base something a little bit earlier about kind of food security and food sustainability. When people are able to grow it in their backyards, they can save with transportation costs. And that's something that a whole lot of people don't really remember when it comes to food. They're just like, oh, it's just grown and it magically appears in a grocery store. They don't understand that, um, like, for example, here in Florida, we grow strawberries in central Florida. And so they'll send it up north to Oregon, New York, Michigan, wherever that doesn't really have a lot of strawberries in the wintertime. So it's a really good point that you brought up. It saves so much in transportation costs when you're able to grow it in your backyard or grow it somewhere closer. There's a book called Eleven, which I would recommend reading if you're really keen on energy inputs and the possibility of feeding 11 billion people in the world. And in there, um, um, the author, Paul Hanley, talks for, for a while about the amount of energy that it takes um, a fossil fuels to go into crop production compared to the amount of energy that we get out. It's about a 10 to 1 ratio. Like you, We're spending 10, to one, 10 calories of fossil fuel energy to get one calorie of food energy out now in the industrial food system. And if you went to, if you considered spending money that way, like no, no one would be that stupid to do it, but yet we continue to do it on a grand scale now as a, a dangerous experiment with our energy resource. So I love that having food in our backyard can skip all that uh, and possibly work on building a, a more sustainable way of living on this planet. Um, if somebody had like a little apartment and all they had was a porch, and but they wanted to grow their own produce and have some sort of impact in their food okay. security, what's something that they could do to where they could grow their own produce with a very limited amount of space? With a very limited amount of space, you could. There's not much you can do. I got to be honest. If like maybe you've got, let's say you've got a sunny porch, you can you can have a few trays of microgreens. You can have a container of fresh uh, lettuce. Small. It really depends on your climate too. Let's uh, if you're in a location like Florida and you're growing pretty much year round, then yeah, it's a no brainer to have a, a planter out there. That's where you're constantly cycling through different vegetables. The things that I would plant would be the regular things that I want to eat um, that spoil it quickly, like greens and and fresh fruits. But what I would suggest to people if they're really serious and they're living in an apartment or just they lack land is to look for opportunities to borrow land. That's actually the foundation of our farm. Uh, we were, I didn't have land or a huge pile of cash when I was starting out. So there, there was no way I was going to be buying land for our farm, but there are lots of people in this city that have huge backyards that have no interest in using them. So by connecting with those people, we were able to offer a service of filling their backyard with vegetables in exchange for uh, either a share of those vegetables or we would pay for the water. And, and so we benefit by using the space that we didn't have previously. And the homeowner benefits by having no maintenance costs anymore for his or her backyard. And that was really a win-win situation that has worked out wonderfully for us. Um, so if you're stuck in a, an apartment building, sure, try some things on your, on your balcony if you like. Uh, you can have a small impact and maybe get some tasty treats once in a while, but to really make a, an impact, and if you're serious, I would suggest borrowing land. Maybe if you don't need the whole a lot, go in with it with some friends and, 
and share the land together, but there are definitely ways to access land if, if that's the hurdle that you're facing. I like it. Yeah, I agree. Where there's a will, there's a way. And yeah. I've heard there's some club in Orlando, Florida, they have kind of like what you were talking about. They go around the people's yards, and if those individuals are okay with it, they'll put a vegetable garden in their front yard or in their backyard, and then whoever's house it is, they don't have to worry about the maintenance or anything, and they get free produce. And the whole club like kind of drives around on their own bicycles, kind of maintaining all the gardens, using up all that available space, which is such a really cool idea because, awesome. yeah. One, yeah, one, you get free land, and two, I mean, you can get produce in lawns where it's usually just grass, and so they are able to grow produce in people's lawns. So it's a really cool idea, and I'm glad you touched base on that. You guys work a lot with community gardens. I've seen like a slow resurgence, at least here in Florida, where more and more communities are having vegetable gardens, fruit gardens, where people from all over the community can kind of come in, work the garden, kind of grow the produce, and then kind of more and more people can slowly get interested in gardening. So have you seen kind of an increase in that in Canada? Uh, in our city, I can speak for our city. Yeah, there was, I think it started around 10 years ago. It just seemed to boom. Uh, our city had a limit of community gardens they would support each year so maybe it was three or four range but they have far more applications than that every year um so yeah there was a huge boom starting about a decade ago and maybe that's died off a little bit but now so many parks have a, a corner tucked away with a community garden um, where it's probably pretty standard organization um they might have 20 to 50 members they each have a designated plot that they sh um, call their own within that garden uh, and then work together throughout the season to maintain that space together. There you go. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. I don't know why. I, so in Florida, we just passed this law to where it is now legal to grow vegetables in your front yard. I have no idea why it was illegal at some point. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm so confused. But now I, I think hopefully there could be like a, a, a resurgence of people growing vegetables in their front yards or maybe more communities that kind of have those community groups that grow produce in people's yards. So I have no, yeah, have you heard anything about that in, in your community where they have a law where you can't grow produce in a yard or in your front yard? Uh, yeah, I've actually been dealing with that a bit in the startup of our business. Um, I've been working with the Saskatoon Food Council and together we've been talking with the city officials about what's legal and what's not and looking at the bylaws. And when I started my urban farm, it was illegal for me to grow food in my backyard or front yard, anywhere on my property and sell it. It wasn't illegal for me to grow food on someone else's property and sell it, which is just an odd difference. <laughs> You'd think that it would be just the same if it was on my own property or someone else's. But uh, so I think, and it, it just came up over and over, like these, there'd be like these little obstacles within the bylaws that would possibly prevent someone from starting a farm or any kind of commercial food operation in the city. And there wasn't necessarily a huge like motivation for the city to have these bylaws in place. They just, they just hadn't addressed them in decades. There's not funding for someone to keep reviewing the, the bylaws and keep adjusting them every time there's a, a new interest. Um, so it takes a lot of I guess there would have to be a lot of people complaining about the bylaws before they would actually go and, and look and try to revise them. They're just they're just kind of trapped in time in a sense. So with in in the approval of my business license for our urban farm, there were some gray areas that we had to negotiate through and eventually we got a, a business license. But those codes that 
I, I mentioned like how it's illegal to grow on my own land and sell it. And that's kind of a situation where we, the build the city officials and I just kind of agreed to just like, we look, we are not going to change this because I'm one urban farm. There aren't a hundred urban farms dealing with this right now. So maybe in the future that'll come up, but the bill, the bylaw still exists and um, I would be breaking that occasionally now. That kind of change with policies is quite slow. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, like my dad always says, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. So yeah, totally. yeah. yeah. that's so strange though, that you could grow produce in somebody else's yard and then sell it and that's okay. But you yeah. can't grow it in your own yard for for a profit. Like that, that's, that's so confusing. I don't understand that. <laughs> so what's some things that you guys have been doing to kind of build awareness of Vegetable Academy? What have been some successful things that you guys have done to kind of get word out there? I'm not a huge advertising marketer kind of guy, really. So what I've been doing, and I've I've recognized that I need just time to build a quality resource there in the classroom too. So I'm not trying to draw a ton of attention to the classroom yet anyways, because it's still in building phase here. Um, What I've been really doing uh, or limiting myself to is just um, sharing information openly on Instagram. And uh, a lot of people have responded quite well to that and built a, a good community there of keen vegetable lovers and growers. So that's really the only thing we've been doing to, to share Vegetable Academy in the world. I guess there are a few speaking engagements that are happening this year as well, too, that might help. But I think our biggest audience is certainly um, with Instagram. There you go. Whatever works. The more I reach out to different people for, for being on the podcast, it seems that everybody has their own niche. Either some people are, are heavily involved on YouTube on getting their message out there or Facebook or Instagram. So it seems like everybody's very diverse. So, I mean, whatever works for you, go for it. Well, last question, and I try to ask everybody this this question. In terms of farmers in the consumer relationship, I'm talking about like the the big produce farmers. How do you see that relationship right now? Like you've kind of touched base that the average farmer and consumer, there's a huge gap between the knowledge there. So how do you see that relationship right now? Distant, yeah. The gap is the is the problem in a lot of ways, um, and that's one of the things that our farm really tried to address is 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 to close that gap and build a really close relationships with our farm members. We sell our food on a membership basis, so families buy memberships in the winter, and that lets me know how much I need to plan to grow. And I devote a lot of attention to planning because I'm just as committed to our members as they are committed to us and make sure that they get a steady flow of produce uh, throughout our whole growing season. It's really a two-way relationship, and because of that relationship, we can keep our waste on the farm in the, like the 10% range, whereas the waste in the food industry is, looking at some stats that I found for Canadian uh, food industry, it's, it's more like 40 to 58% of food in Canada is, is lost or wasted, which is just absurd. Like it's something our, our first world countries should not be getting away with. But because we have so much money here, because space is in such abundance, we, we've been pulling that off and without great cost, but it's something that I just disagree with wholeheartedly. So really wanted to cut that down by connecting with those members directly. We cut out that waste. We increase the value of the food that they're receiving. And I increase the income that I can receive from the food that I grow. I don't have to pay or, or, or I don't lose 40% of the purchase price towards a middleman at a grocery store somewhere. 
Um, so it's well worth my effort to just maintain those relationships. And I also find it a lot more rewarding to know the same people are coming every week to pick up their food because I, I love to, I would much rather serve people that I've gotten to know. I totally agree. It's all about kind of fostering those relationships and, and kind of, I don't know, building a trusty relationship between the farmer and the consumer. And I mean, you were touching base on it a little bit about food waste. And I mean, we're already having trouble right now feeding about 7 billion people. And by 2050, there's going to be about 9 billion. And so we've definitely got to work on reducing food waste dramatically if we're going to have any chance of feeding 9 billion mouths three times every day. So I couldn't agree more. But yeah, I mean, is there anything else you would want to touch base on on a kind of the farmer-consumer relationship or what you guys are trying to accomplish with the Vegetable Academy? Just one the thing that comes to mind about the food waste is that like I always I've been to talks with, with Big Ag and there's this argument that they spew out all the time about how we need to refine technology and like in our methods so that we can increase production to get more food so that we can feed people, but we don't need more food. We just it's the distribution system that's failing us. Uh, it's the fact that we don't have a farmer on every street corner that's failing us. Like we can't keep depending on shuttling around these products of food that have so much value, but yet they have such a short self shelf life. We can do that with t-shirts and ball caps, but we can't do that with, with nourishment. It, um, we just have to treat it differently, but we're treating it like a commodity. So uh, that's the, my biggest wish is that we'll have more people growing their own food. And, and uh, I'm excited to be able to help with that now. Well, I'm certainly glad that, I mean, there's a voice in Canada now that's kind of getting word out there on how people can have their own impact. So, well, well, Jared, this has been a cool conversation. If if people want to learn more about Vegetable Academy, you guys are, your your website's vegetableacademy.com. And where, where else can they go to follow you, like Instagram? So what are some places they can go to kind of see what you guys are doing? Yeah, like you said, you can find us on Instagram as well at Vegetable Academy. Um, but specifically, once you, if you are serious about, um, pumping a bunch of vegetables out of your own land, then definitely consider joining us in our classroom space. They can, it's free to get in right now, and uh, everyone that is in will be on the inside loop when we start announcing what we've got coming up next. So if you don't want to miss out on that, make sure you get in there while you can. Well, Jared, best of luck, man. We think Vegetable Academy is super cool. We'll stay up to date with you, follow all, your, all the really cool stuff you're doing, and thanks for being on the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Uh, same back to you, Trevor. I'm glad you're working hard to uh, bridge this gap in, in knowledge between people out there and where their food comes from. So thank you. Hey, thank you. I appreciate it. All right. Well, have a good one. Hey, everyone. We're trying to make things easier for you to listen to the podcast. We are now a part of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective, and that means you can now find us on an additional platform. We're now available on the Waypoint app on your Apple TV, Roku, or Amazon Fire Stick, smart TVs like Samsung, and even game systems. While you're on there, check out over 2,500 of the best hunting and fishing shows and short films, download the app, and watch and listen anywhere.